Hi, my name's Brian, and like most of you, I'm staying at home during the pandemic. To pass the time, I decided to get some of my friends on the record about what they're cooking, how they're doing, and anything else that might be on their minds. Join me on What's Eating You. This week, I'm talking to Nathan, the man of many talents, personas, and nicknames. In this episode, we'll talk quarantine handyman skills, and finally, share the DBT mindset, all in order to bring you a boutique podcast experience. This meeting is being recorded. It's respectful. Wow. Um, <laughs> that's new, actually. That, ha- that's, that must be an update they pushed out. Letting you be... know that we're being recorded oh so you my can't gosh. do it stealthily. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. Exactly. No, but Nate, welcome to What's Eating You. It's good to good to meet you. Not quite my first stranger on the pod, but you said it best. You know, you don't you don't consider people strangers if they have a you know have your phone number at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're definitely if you're connected to my sister or any friends, you are you're definitely family. So good to good to virtually meet you, and thanks for having me. I appreciate that. You know, I know that you're to situate folks. You are uh, talking to me on Pacific time. You know, bump my Bumped my call time back a little bit, and you moved yours up probably, and you're in sunny San Diego. I, it's sunny there like 300 days a year, right? Yeah, it's 75 and sunny pretty much every day. When it goes 79, 80, it's a heat wave. And are you a beach guy? What, what, what took you to San Diego? <laughs> yeah, honestly, we. it's kind of a long story that I can condense. I'm born and raised in Northern Virginia, uh, went to University of Miami, Florida. I've always been kind of a weather guy. I love nice weather. Uh, I love the sun. So I went to Miami, quickly realized that I did not want to start a career in Miami. Uh, there was a, a student who drove up to my first class freshman year in a Lamborghini, and I, I quickly realized that this is not real life. <laughs> so I absolutely loved it, though. I, I go back frequently. It's just an, it's, you don't really feel like you're in America, which is probably my favorite thing about it. And after Miami, went back to D.C. to kind of take the 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 corporate route career worked for Deloitte for quite some time in Arlington and then was there for five or six years and my wife was pushing me to go to California she just had the itch I wasn't ready I've, I've always been a homesick kind of guy <laughs> especially when I was younger when I used to go to uh, travel soccer tournaments in, in Pennsylvania actually where I think you're are you from yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm from PA yeah, yeah. I'll never forget, I went to PA for a travel soccer tournament when I was extremely young, and I quite literally got homesick. Like, I had a fever. I went to the doctor. It's a, it was a real thing. All, all of five, hour, five hours away, and you were... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I was, I was without my parents, and that was mm. a big thing. I was probably sucking my thumb. Um, <laughs> but I just wasn't ready for a big change. I mean, most people aren't. It's not easy to dive into the... dive out of your comfort zone. So... Instead, uh, my wife convinced me to take off time and we did a, a six month sabbatical. So I always loved giving back and I was ready for a change. I was getting kind of jaded. I was commuting an hour and a half each way from Virginia to New Carrollton, Maryland. And we basically took six months. We volunteered across uh, Asia and South America. So Vietnam, Thailand, Philippines, Argentina and Brazil. We did a different program in each. We did nutrition, animal welfare, human rights, community development. And when I got back from that trip, uh, we were in DC and we realized how small the the world is. Like I I could quite literally be in, I could be across the world in 
a very short amount of time and just get on a flight and go. And so we, we were home for a few months and my company knew it was coming and we just packed up the car and just went. And it was solely weather. I mean, we, we knew we wanted California. We didn't want the bouginess of LA. We didn't want, we wanted something more normal and real. And San Diego is kind of like a small city. You've got a beach vibe. You've got a downtown vibe that has WeWorks and, and big businesses. Uh, but it's not kind of, it's not pressing like New York or some of these other cities. You know, say LA, you find probably just as many Lambos as you would in Miami there. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of the, I, I just, in terms of where I want to live, that's that's not the type of environment that, that I like to thrive in. Yeah. So you're talking about homesick, and I hear you bought a home in San Diego, too. So does that, does that help you a little bit? What, what's the story there? Yeah, I feel rooted. I'm here to stay. It was funny. We've got a, some good friends here, and no one really knew what, what Lindsay and I were up to. And the second that they found out we bought a house, they were like, yes, you're staying. I see. Flight risk. Yeah, some flight risk there, even though now we're still, especially with COVID, like as soon as this is over, how can I get out and go? But yeah. it has been very special to, well, yeah, we closed on our first home in March. Um, it was so funny, just the way the world works. We thought we were, obviously you start big and then you quickly realize you can't afford what you want, especially in San Diego. Yeah. This, this market is just insane. And so you kind of, bring your requirements lower and lower to what you can afford. And I mean, I, I thought we were looking for a home we were going to be in for 10 years, kind of small, but doable. And instead we landed on a multifamily fixer upper. So it's two separate homes. The front one is a hundred years old. I mean, I'm no handyman either. Ask, <laughs> ask, ask Allison. I like call my mom for, to kill a cockroach, but yeah, so it's been, a, it's been a wild ride. So are you, what's the deal, the other one you live in and you're going to get to it as, as, you know, as time and, and know-how allows or? Yeah. Yeah. The front house. So that was the big thing with, we weren't looking for a multifamily. I wasn't looking for a rental property to be a landlord. I can barely manage myself. Um, but it just, it, when we saw it, both my wife and I were like, this is it. I mean, mm -hmm. it was just a no brainer. It's too, a lot of times with multifamily, you give up on privacy, which mm -hmm. is something that I'm just not at the age that I want to give up my privacy. And it's two completely isolated homes. They're mm -hmm. not, there are no walls touching. There's a, there, you have your privacy, there's a common area. So we went out the front unit. It's a one bedroom, one bathroom, cottage style house. Yep. It's a hundred years old, really, really old, but, but nice. Yeah. And then the back house was, it was just this long rectangular lot. And I, I think 20 years or so ago, the, the owner put, just built an add-on in the back, which is the second house that we live in. Two bedroom, one bathroom. Definitely couldn't raise a family here, but for two people, it's, it's the most comfortable living situation you could have. <laughs> I was going to ask, because you talked about, you said you introduced it as your first house. I'm like, have you, do you buy have a second lined up? But this is, Clearly, like you, you said, it's not the place. It's a stop on the road to where you're getting. Yeah, it's a stop on the road. I've, I mean, I've always been really, I've always been interested in real estate, but not enough to become an agent or like make it a profession. But I do think it's kind of a passion and a side hobby. I would, I, I manage my wife's mom's. Uh, she has a few rental properties that I help with. And so I just, I think it's a cool, interesting aspect when you think of passive income and, and kind of diversifying assets and whatnot. So it's funny how I landed here. Yeah. Now, now I'm a landlord. <laughs> so 
So like you said, you, you're not handy, but uh, so what do you have? Do you have an eye for design for a set, like your set? What do you, what do you feel like you bring to the, bring to the partnership then? <laughs> ask me, ask my wife that. <laughs> <laughs> that let's not go looking too hard. That, that, yeah, that'd be a short answer. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I'm, I'm going to toot my horn a little bit. I have, quarantine has made me just pick up things that I would have never picked up. I mean, I would have. Even at that, even at my house growing up, my my dad was a lawyer, my mom was a teacher. We, my dad's from New York. I mean, his his mother rented her whole life. They always, they always had people come, and so um, I think I, that's kind of what I saw growing up. And that's, but now that I have two houses and one is a fixer upper financially and logistically with quarantine, that's just not feasible. So. I have, I mean, I've got a circular saw. I've got a bunch of tools. I've been, I built a custom shelf. I mean, Ooh. I'm, I'm doing electrical. I'm doing plumbing. I've taught myself a lot, and uh, I actually think my wife would give me some credit for that. Okay. What's and what's your teacher? What do you attribute? Uh, again, we all have this pandemic time, or whatever you want to call yeah. it. But, but what, what did you? How have you unlocked this in yourself? It's just like, especially owning it, right? It's like this is actually mine, so I can either choose to. Sp- to spend a lot of money to have someone come or I can spend 30 minutes to an hour trying to do some research. When, when I, the way I kind of broke it down, which helped for me is like, I don't need to solve the problem, but understanding what it takes to solve the problem really helps out. So now mm-hmm. when I get a quote, I mean, when we first bought the place, we were getting, obviously you got to do your research, you get five to 10 quotes because none of the contractors tell the truth. And we, we would get quotes for these simple jobs for five grand, 10 grand. I'm just like, what in the world are you doing? So I would ask for a detailed breakdown of the work. And then for some of the jobs, I would just, okay, thanks for the breakdown. I'm going to go do it myself. <laughs> so I think quarantine kind of unlocked it and definitely just the, the ownership side of it. Like the fact that it's mine, it's, and I live in it. It's, I mean, going to bed at night in a place that you, you've really put some elbow grease into yourself is extremely satisfying something i've never felt before and then for the the flip side of it yeah so i'm kind of like the the sous chef um lindsay my wife who i've mentioned a few times already she's she's always been kind of she was a a a bodybuilder a ravens cheerleader she's always been on that health and fitness side personal trainer and she's kind of slightly pivoting she's super interested in design so she's got the design eye interior design some graphic design but she just loves her and her mom do it all the time. They just, her, I think her mom, her, her mom's best story is she got a, from an estate sale. She got like this, this famous piece of art for $3. It's worth like $7,000. So they're, they're very big on Salvation Army, all the thrift store. They're just big thrift shoppers. Mo- actually, most of our house, I'll send you some pictures. Almost everything in here is from Facebook Marketplace. Like hidden gems type of thing, just and it it all looks it looks brand new. I mean, wow. you and yeah, so the the dining room table art, everything, and, it, and like you said, and it's and it's it reflects you. It's not just yours; it reflects you both. Yeah, and it's got some history. It feels good yeah. to re, it feels good to reuse stuff. I feel like the the art of only using new stuff is kind of wasteful and, and getting jaded a little bit. Yeah, well, like you said, I mean, the fact that your front house is a hundred years old. It's hard to imagine the stuff that's being made now lasting a hundred years, you know, it's just, it's interesting to, to think about. Yeah. I had the, one of the contractors who came, he was just one of those really smart handy men. He came and it was like, 
Yeah, that house is definitely 100 years old. That thing got delivered here on a truck. So I guess it's like one of those craftsman style yeah, homes that they, yeah. they quite literally put on a truck back in the day and would just drop yeah. it off on the lot. Yeah, somebody put the, put the walls up and it, it, you got it out a catalog, basically, you know? Like, yeah, that, that's exactly what he said. Yeah. So I didn't know that, but pretty mm -hmm. cool. My front house was from a catalog. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, so in addition to um, teaching yourself to become a handyman, homeowner, landlord, all those good things, uh, I hear you have another passion project that, I, I don't know, it's hard, I, it's hard to put into words. I've heard it explained to me. Uh, I've heard it, you know, uh, in the bag. I've heard DBT. Can you, can you talk me through <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of, of this stuff? Yeah. ITB, DBT, there's a lot of acronyms. There's a lot of mystery and uh, I'm trying to think what, what else you would call it. Not quite hype, because hype is like this energy, but more this sort of, uh, I'm curious to know what, what's going on with, with you and your, like I said, your, maybe not side hustle, but your sort of, your secret life. Yeah, it, it's, it's for sure an alter ego. I don't even, I have no idea to the extent of which any company that I've worked for knows uh, this side of me, but it was actually funny when I worked at Deloitte Consulting, which is a very suit and tie, uh, you know, type of gig. It, it was funny. I tried to shield it for the first six months to year. I mean, I was fresh out of college. This side hustle of mine is very catered around nightlife and, and kind of party and celebrate. And I shielded it for, I want to say six months to a year. And by the time I left, the the dance floor at some of my events was ninety percent Deloitte people. So it was, it was just kind of funny this change of perspective or this this acceptance to just you know this is who I truly am. There's no there's nothing to hide here. In fact, people actually probably will appreciate you more and and respect you more for for showing your true colors and for bringing people together. There's nothing to be ashamed of. So that was. That was pretty funny. But yeah, it, it goes back to college. So basically, my sophomore year of college, I teamed up with a, one of my good friends and we formed DBT, which stands for Do Big Things. And it, it's a inside joke from elementary school. Me and my best friend, who still one of my best friends, uh, we would just call each other up and he'd be sitting on his couch and I'd be watching TV at my house. Hey, what are you doing? I'm doing big things. What are you doing? It's like, it didn't matter what you were doing. We were just talking smack, always doing big things. <laughs> so it was catchy at last. I mean, throughout college, everyone was saying I'm, I, I'm DBT. And, I, and so I, when I, when we started DJing, it was just such an easy, catchy name, DBT. And I knew it had already been kind of user tested over the mm. years because it, it it had already caught on. People really liked it. People used it. So it made the most sense. And by the way, picking a DJ name is not real fun. I mean, that's not like a fun, <laughs> like that's the last thing you want to do is pick your DJ name. At least for me, I'm not yeah. into that thing. So DBT was a duo in college. One of my good friends who, who went to Langley and then University of Miami with me, he was by far and away one of the most talented producers I've, I've ever seen. He ended up focusing on, on some other paths. And, and I had moved back to DC and he had moved to Colorado. So I decided to carry the torch. It was something that I felt a longer term commitment for, and he, he was ready to move on to other things. So it was very peaceful and happy, but we, I mean, in college, we, it, it started at frat parties and then very quickly went from frat parties to some 
I mean, you know, Miami Beach nightlife to some of the, the best clubs in the, in the arguably the world. So you took it from the from the living room to the big room. You, you actually quite literally the living room. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had a, a big house in Miami that uh, the football players would come to. It was it was pretty it was it was nice at a basketball court in the pool. So we, we would throw some pretty big. Yeah, we were, it was cheaper than it was 50 percent of the cost of the dorms, too. Wow. Pretty nuts. And, and so. I basically care. So DBT, I guess, would be my DJ name. But the the much bigger picture, the more important facet of it is DBT Nation, which is basically the community. And that's kind of what we were talking about before. That's the, I think, the the nucleus of, of at least the nucleus for me is, is really, yes, I love DJ and yes, I love performing. There's nothing better than playing music that people don't know that they, they like. But it's really, for me, it comes down to bringing people together, whether it's people that already know each other or, or people that don't. And if you're able to create a space where it's like-minded people on the same vibration or the same wavelength, you, you really have the power to create something special, which is kind of what I, I really kind of focus on for DBT and what DBT Nation is. It's really that community of people that have met on the dance floor there's literally at last year there were two marriages and next year is another marriage and these couples literally started the first time they kissed or hung out was on the dance floor at a dbt event through an introduction at one of these events which is just so cool so dbt nation is the community and so that i would say dbt spans from it started in miami goes when i left miami um I still went, I tried to maintain that. I still went back to, when I lived in DC, went back a few times to play, um, but quickly learned, I just wanted to focus on DC, which is where I grew up. So it was kind of a natural path. So from uh, now you're in DC, now we're, we're throwing kind of DBT events in DC. Try not to dilute anything. I don't think you can create something special consistently very often. So I do, when I first started, I think quarterly, sometimes every other month. And especially in DC, that, that scene is very, the, a lot of the DJs there are playing every weekend. I mean, that's just, and, and nothing against that path. That's just not my path. I, when I do an event, I want it to be bigger, unique, more special, more thought, maybe some production. So still doing DC a lot. Absolutely love. I mean, that's where most of my childhood friendships are. Some, just some of the most amazing people who've been by my side for 12 years. I mean, that's crazy to think about. And so when we went to, when we, I already told you the backstory of when we moved to San Diego. So now we're in San Diego. I have zero connections. I know two people. I just listened to my wife who wanted to throw everything away to be a hippie in California. And now I'm here. <laughs> what do I do? Yeah. What, what were you thinking there? Man, it was my biggest, it was my biggest, um, so I went to California with the Deloitte job. So the employment wasn't, wasn't at the top of my mind. I was comfortable there. But yeah, the biggest piece of concern was that I, I had just spent 12, over a decade, especially in nightlife. It, I don't care what anyone says. It's about exposure and who you know. And period, period, the end. You can be extremely talented, but if you don't know anyone or get out there, it'll never be heard and you just won't have the opportunities. So it was, yeah, I was, I was scared. So what I did was I basically, I just got after it. I just went out. I, I went out all the time and I wasn't just going out and partying. I was going out and networking. I was trying to understand the scene, which is very, very different than DC, like night and day different. There are a lot of 
players out here that are all doing different things. And so over the course of our first year, it's actually pretty crazy to think about. I, I basically threw a dart at the board. And when I got to San Diego, I threw a dart and said, DBT needs to play in San Diego within one year. Period, the end, full stop. That's, that's the goal. Yep. <laughs> just make it happen. Yep. So I just, I went out to a lot of, obviously in kind of the house and techno scene, I would go out to a lot, learn the venues, who are the GMs of the venues, who's mm -hmm. throwing parties here, what type of parties are they throwing? Uh, but most importantly, just meeting people on these dance floors. And just very quickly, I realized that I'm here for a reason and I'm in the right place at the right time. Everyone that I met was kind of on the same wavelength. Every There was just this kind of energy in the air that you could I could feel. And so on month 10th or 11 of being out here, I was just sitting down with Lindsay and, and one of my friends. And we were trying to figure out how, because most people go and they try and, make friends and then open at a, a part at someone else's party yeah. or they, they just try and really like become close with the GM at the venue to try and get a gig. But that was never my path. My path was always to throw DBT events, like mm -hmm. a very specific, this is a DBT event. It's nothing more, nothing less. So we were just sitting on the couch. I was like, how do we do this? Do you know this person at, at, at that production company? Maybe they can put me on the lineup. What about that production company? And then finally, we just, it's like, let's just write down a name of all of our friends and let's just see like if this is possible. And at the end of the exercise, it was very evident that we were at a point where we could definitely, we were willing to take the rest, risk to do it. And I tell you, long story short, that was the best. It was called the juice box every one of our that was where in the bag productions was was founded we partnered with another team uh called live pineapple and that was the first in the bag productions uh creation so in the bag Productions is kind of me my wife and a few others it's the san diego scene kind of requires a, a, a production event production company you don't just throw i mean i could but you don't just really throw a dbt event here it's really like xyz presents so we created in the bag productions and on month 11 of being out here we threw the juice box and and dbt headlined and it was one of the most special i mean it, it sold out and it was just one of the most special events ever there's nothing people talk about it to this day so within a year you showed up in san diego you basically met people you made friends right you met you met people you made friends you make you know at least that industry or professional sort of connections and then Basically, you said, I want to do this. And the people said, that's a great idea. And they came. Yeah. And it was just, it's, it's funny when all the stars align, right? Like the, all of the, it was the right people at the right time with the right music, the right production, the right, I mean, the right value props, like everything that I had been doing in DC that we were going to do here, but taking it even a step further was exactly what it was exactly what people wanted. It hadn't really been done before. And it was just special. I mean, a lot of people focus on big name headliner DJs where the, where most of the budget goes to. And I think the biggest thing with the DBT events and now with the In The Bag Productions events is it's never been about that. It's not like the DBT event isn't really about DBT. It's about kind of DBT nation coming together. And there's a there's an inherent kind of guarantee in there that yeah sure there's DBT is going to play some good music there will be good music but most importantly there's going to be very good people there that 
you might land your next job, you might land your next wife, or you might land your next lifelong friend. That's, that's interesting. It's, it's like you said, you, you use words like community and, you know, it sounds like you said different from just going to a party, right? Where you take your nucleus and you go and you bounce off maybe a few other nuclei. No, no, this is a thing where people are coming together to get swirled to go. I, I've seen some images, some pictures of your stuff. And, and, you know, if you step back, it sort of looks like, you know, not like a costume party, but it looks like there's, it's clear there's some coordination, right? And so what's the, yeah. I, I guess maybe that's something else that I'm, I'm seeing, but maybe you could talk a little about how do people get on that level, not, you know, here's the dress list or rather the dress code, but how do people come together with, yeah, we want to, we want to do this together. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the most important thing, right? And I, I, I just can't stress it enough. Like you could spend 10 grand on a famous DJ to come and it, it doesn't really matter what music he plays if you don't have these unique kind of in the air connections among people on the dance floor. So exactly what you're hitting at is like, that's kind of the focus is how can we put all of the focus on the people who are making the event special, which is all of the people who are spending their hard earned money to come. <laughs> like, why are we focusing on anyone other than them? It's kind of like with, with product, right? Which is, which is what I do, just customer first, user first. And mm. our users are the people on the dance floor. But yeah, that ties back to one of the pillars of just in terms of the theme. So the, the vision was always kind of focus on the production. Like create, we want to create an open creative space where people can one, self-express, like, if you want to, if you're a man and you want to wear a tutu because it's funny or it's just something you've always wanted to do, come, come do that. You've got one life. This is, there's no reason you shouldn't, you should be judged. There's no reason you shouldn't be able to do that. So we try to create these themes that are, and so our themes are, I think are really, I mean, in addition to the production and obviously a lot of uh, local artists on the lineup, the themes are definitely, I think if, if you were, if you attended one of our events or if you just kind of read about them or saw us on Instagram, the theme is really the, the heart of it, right? It's like, it's what bleeds through in the pictures. It's what bleeds through in the video. It's extremely unique. And we try to pick them really strategically. So the, the most recent one before quarantine, it was in wintertime, it was our first nighttime event. A lot of our parties have been daytime kind of sundown and it was the 1%. And this was kind of, the other ones, I'll just run through them, actually. So the juice box was the first one, juicy, fruity, mm. you know, watermelon, watermelons, et cetera. So everyone's in kind of fruit hats and just very vibrant, bright colors. Um, the tub. So we have this fascination for tubs. We all love uh, bathtubs. Oh, bathtubs. Tubs. Okay. I was like, which yeah. one are we going with? This? Yeah. Bathtubs, hot tubs. So the tub and that one was just absolutely hilarious we had people showing up in loofah costumes the dj booth had a, a clawfoot golden tub in front of it the wig out so that one surprisingly hadn't been done before which i mean everyone was like this is the best theme ever it's so easy there's been wig parties but there's never been a wig out which is i thought was pretty cool and then the one percent so the one percent was the we struggled a little bit because it's like how do we communicate with every one of our themes, there's a reason why we're doing it. And there's a, there's a, a theme or a thesis. And that's kind of part of the, the creative process that our team goes through. I think really starting with, especially as you're choosing the theme, most importantly, why are we doing this? Like, what is the purpose of this theme? And the 
at the, I mean, we when we first launched it, it was like we had to kind of refine our our communication strategy a little bit because we were getting some comments that, and it was very obvious that some people just weren't really getting it. And the motto was basically like, money has nothing to do with with rich. Money has nothing to do with what, being in the one percent. Financial wealth has absolutely nothing to do with how happy you are, how rich you are. And I think, especially in today's society, it, it's funny if you want. I do this all the time when I'm out. It, it's it's just absolutely hilarious. Just like make comments to people like, "Oh, you're rich," or like, "Wow, that's really rich." Like whenever they're if they're doing something or they're buying something, oh, wow, that's really rich. Wow, you're really rich. You would be amazed at the reactions and the comments that you get. Some people get it immediately. They'll, they'll laugh. Yeah, 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 I'm really rich. But other people's will, a lot of other people will be, I don't know if it's offended or if it's confused. Like, no, no, I'm not rich. I, I'm not. Yeah, you are rich. But, but, but really, really strong reactions. To very it. strong reactions. And it's just this very tight knit kind of, connection to money and and money. and richness and kind of inner wealth and so the whole purpose of the party was look everyone come and we are all part of the one percent like we right. are the one percent there's no one as rich as us um so that was that was pretty hilarious but the cost the outfits for that one were just absolutely phenomenal i wore a i'll send you a picture I wore a white fur coat with white pants and a white kind of Russian fur hat. I, I looked like a, I guess a marshmallow. <laughs> <laughs> and what was, and what was your, what was for you the expression of richness there? What was the, uh... yeah, the, I would say the outfit was just, I wanted to go for all white because I had a feeling it was a nighttime event and everyone I, I felt was going to go kind of darker, but yeah, no, I was, I so we we subsequently kind of in the social media posts and in our direct we even posted like directions on ideas of what to wear and it was just these hilarious uh comedic samples of, of pictures from the internet or whatever but yeah i think i mean i'm just i still do it to this day it's kind of part of my lingo just yeah. communicating that being rich has nothing to do with money that's it's interesting to hear like you said how intentional you are i mean a lot of people go to parties because they think it's fun or they want something to do on the night or like you said just the places where they feel at home, but you're thinking about this whole thing, right? You're thinking about it from the beginning to the end. I mean, I'm sure you're picking every song on the playlist or, you know, when certainly when you're out there, you're, you're reading the crowd, but you know, like you said, you, you're thinking of how you want people to come together, the sort of the thesis you want mm -hmm. them to carry through it. This, there's a lot, it's, a lot, it's not, I mean, this is, it sounds to me like art, but at the same time, it's performance, it's design. What, yeah. How do you, how do you see it? No, I mean, you hit the nail, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's all of that. And I think that's, hmm. that's really where Lindsay, who, who my wife is really, she's kind of the head of the production creative design side. And I mean, what she has created for some of these events, not only excelled her personally, but I, I mean, put us in a place where we are today. It's just, it's mesmerizing to see some of those photos, the, the juice box, the DJ booth was a completely homemade juice box. It looked like it was out of a cartoon. It was, it was insane. But I think, when you're going through that creative process, we really do. I mean, we, we think about from the moment you get the invite to the moment you're thinking about going to the day of the event to after the event. <laughs> one funny, one silly uh, example is at the, while we're on the topic of the 1%, we, we thought it would be a good idea at the end of the party to kind of give a takeaway. And so we, we allocated a part of the budget to give everyone to basically hand out a dollar or two to everyone. But it was like at the end of the night and people had been drinking and 
we were like, no, I don't want your money. It was, I don't, I don't know if it worked. It, it didn't work out that well, but it, that's an example of kind of how far we're willing to take it. We've also flirted with the idea, and this might be TMI, but like, I, I, I love the idea of potentially, I kind of wanted to do it for the 1%, but just adding five or $10 or, or whatever it is, X amount to the price of a ticket and then returning that to people as they approach the door, like either a free drink ticket or here's 20 bucks, have a great day. Just somehow like reversing mm. the equation a little bit and no one would even know. I just, I think there's a lot of room for creativity there. Interesting. Yeah. You got the psychological element there too. You're trying to, cause usually you give someone money, they are happy. Yeah, right? exactly, That's a good thing. exactly. So that was funny, but it's, uh, it's at the heart. Yeah. You're touching on the heart of like, it's, it's not really, I don't really look at it like a party. I mean, I think, especially as I'm DJing, I can kind of see, I can really connect with almost everyone on the dance floor. I really am, I, I'm not really, I look down to switch songs and whatnot, but I'm really kind of looking at everyone and connecting with them. And you can see how how you're impacting people. And I just think that at the, at the core is, is that, sounds corny, but it's like the essence of life. Honestly, if you're able to give someone an amazing experience that they'll remember forever, they met new friends, they've never been happier. I mean, you think about the day, the day in day out struggle of, of work and ups and downs and everything have, has ups and downs. I mean, th these parties and this process has not been just happy go lucky and easy and all, all dandelions. But I just think if you can make that impact on even just one person, and that was one thing that I've just constantly struggled with, especially with social media and everything. It's like the bigger, the better, the more people at the party, the better. But at the end of the day, if you can, if you can impact one person, how is that not worth it? I, I think it is. I think that's kind of the heart of humanity. I mean, you're right. You've given me everything it stands for. And now I'm, I'm really curious how, you know, you flip this and look at this moment now, you know, after the 1%, we sort of went into stay at home or lockdown. How have you thought about your project in that time? Have you done anything? Have you thought about what you could do? Are you, are you just, you know, sitting, waiting, hoping that we can, that you can be together soon? What, what are you, how are you approaching this? Yeah. It's really hard. It's hard, especially with, especially in the, the DJ nightlife scene, it's just complete live stream overload. I mean, I, mm. I've, I struggled in the beginning because I was like, I need to get after it. I need to get all the in-home live stream equipment. I need to be streaming weekly. And I quickly realized I need to just focus on myself. <laughs> Stop trying to, let's focus on this hundred year old house. My wife had ACL surgery. Like there's a lot to get in order over here, but that's, that's been, which I respect. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. But I just think they're, the industry is completely inundated with, with these live streams, which is great. I mean, thousands and thousands of people are watching them, but so far we've, we did one live stream for a local venue here. It was a fundraiser. That was really fun to do. We had a few members of the In The Bag team, one of which is just this insane singer. And then the other co-founder who's a DJ, Jenny Boss and Don Rayon. Quick shout out. <laughs> and uh, that was actually really fun because it challenged us. None of us had, had uh, used the, the platform to record it. It was fun to do it for, uh, it was actually where the juice box was. So Spin Nightclub, the first venue we ever played out here, which is it's a staple in the the house music scene in San Diego. I mean, it's, I hope they can come out of this. So we did a fundraiser for them. And then aside from that, it's really been kind of 
taking our time, but, but planning for the next event. So we have, we're in, we're in conversations with a venue that we haven't played at before that I think would be perfect for our next party. We've gotten all the contractual information, obviously no dates or anything. And then we, we actually just this week finalized the flyer. So we're effectively, we're moving. We're just putting more time into what we're doing. Um, and we, we don't have kind of crunch deadlines. So I guess the bottom line there is we're, we're getting some parties in the hopper. <laughs> you, you know what? You just don't know when. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's different in every, in every city, in every state and country, but San Diego has been a hot spot. I, in the bag productions will not be the, the first to market there. <laughs> we'll be, mm-hmm. we'll be having an event when it's extremely safe. I don't want to have social distancing. I, it, it needs to be a yeah. safe space. So that's, uh, that makes me think of another thing because of that, because you're, you're firmly committed to, like you said, safety yeah. and, you know, not, uh, so for example, I work at a college and, you know, colleges are having the same sort of debate and thinking about how they can do it yeah. and saying, well, if we do, we gotta, we gotta be safe, but kind of the point of college, probably similar to the point of one of your good events is being with people and it's hard to do that and stay, have the discipline to stay six feet apart. Right. So it either looks really weird. It looks like. I don't know, country line dancing, which is probably the last thing people expect out of a, out of a DVD production yeah. event, or it's, or it's just unsafe, you know? So, so how are you connecting with people then? Because you've basically said, Hey, look, we're not going to, we're not going to do that because that can't be done right now. Yeah. So we've, I mean, we've been, we, Tori, who does all our social media, she does a phenomenal job and we've been, I mean, we still have weekly team meetings. We still are connecting as a group, especially creatively. I think one thing that we're 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 really trying to use this time for is to just simply level up. I mean, how how can we go from paper mache or foam and cardboard productions to legitimate wooden structures? <laughs> Especially now that I'm a handyman and I'm a certified professional exactly. renovator. You know, you got a circular saw. Yeah, I got a That's circular saw. I can basically build Burning Man. Yeah, so we, I mean, as a team, we, we do a really good job of that. We're really trying to level up. The the other co-founder, Mario, and I also are, are kind of been heads down trying to, even before COVID, we've been working on kind of a, a short sleeve button down line called Picolet. So we've been using our time on that, just really trying to, it's been tough trying to find a manufacturer. But I, I hope to see you in one of those shirts one day, extremely funky San Diego style short sleeve button downs. And then say on the dance, on the dance floor. With on the dance floor, yeah, exactly. And then with the community, we, we have a massive WhatsApp group. We have, we have a number of ways that we stay in touch with them. And I think, Oh, wow. So you're talking, you're talking to them even without seeing them. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We've had a few zoom sessions. We've had some happy hours, but still giving people, you know, we're all in this weird time. And I think that one thing that I've realized is like, the back-to-back-to-back Zoom happy hours quickly faded, right? It's just that that became that was a boom and a bust real quick. So just making sure people were focusing on everyone individually. So one big thing that I always do is I, I people wonder how I have the time in the day, but I really like connecting with people one-on-one. So I'm constantly kind of checking in with individual people, um, checking in on them, how are they doing? How can I help? Is there anything they need? And just catching up. I think at the end of the day, a lot of the parties, uh, whether it's a ticket sale or, or just someone joining on the dance floor, a lot of it comes from those one-on-one exchanges, which I just think, I, I don't think a lot of people put put much attention to. But I, 
again, it takes a lot of work and a lot of time and it, it can be annoying. <laughs> but like you said, it sounds like in a way that's what you did for 11 months, right? Before, as you built. That is quite literally, exactly. That's, that was the goal and, and that, that's exactly what I did. So I guess thinking about what's next, uh, you know, we don't know when, like you said, you know what, what's your kind of hope for your, your community, your, you know, your, your project, what, what's, what's your hope for, for it going forward? Yeah, I think it, it's funny, like the, from the way DBT started to now, like the, the path has always just been this kind of quickly compiled mosh pit of my passions. Like I just kind of follow, uh, I just follow where my heart goes. And now, I, especially with COVID in this downtime, it, it's, I think I just said this, it's really about leveling up. So I'm, I would love to go from a DBT party to a DBT festival. Even, I mean, again, when you say festival, people think Coachella, I would love nothing more than, than to give 120 to 150 people a boutique, intimate music festival style experience. I think that's one one thing that I really, really would like to do as soon as it's safe and I got to figure out how. <laughs> In terms of DC, I I actually had an, an, a DBT event planned, obviously this summer, they do this new androids who I've been playing with forever. They're kind of like the DC in the bag productions, except I just DJ for them. It's, it's, too good, it's a few good friends of mine that own it and do it and they just do a phenomenal job. And so I, I play with them. I can't wait to get that back on the calendar. I definitely want to continue the, the DC role. And then in the bag productions is, is really just about leveling up and gearing up for the, for the I mean, we're, we celebrated our one year birthday, May 25th, I believe. So still so young, so much to learn, especially in a new scene. Just how can we, how can we level up and create something special especially like, like coming out of quarantine you know like everything is yeah. not oh, sure from a social distancing from a health and safety perspective but also from an internal how do people want to feel what do people actually want whether it's you know not as crazy music or I, I don't know just trying to give people what they actually need at the right time so there's gotta be you gotta imagine there's gonna be some kind of catharsis yeah. if and when things revert or change or whatever it winds up with and you you're trying to figure out you're trying to tap that even now you're trying to yeah what that exactly exactly so it's uh it, it'll it'll be fun it'll be special and i mean for the time being just continuing to to push forward the creative process around themes production all that jazz Jeez, well greatness doesn't sleep it just waits <laughs> yeah i don't know if uh i don't know if allison my sister would call it greatness but well i mean she's she's supposedly learning how to how to take businesses to the next level, right? Yeah. And her sort of summer, her sort of summer vacation from uh, the real world, but yeah, I know. And you know, you're like you said, you are doing it. You've been doing it for a while, and I'm really impressed to to hear it. Really, sort of energize myself a little bit to think about what you what you were doing and what could be coming in the future. And, and you're right, I gotta I gotta get into your into your clothing line, and I gotta get on your on your dance floor, man. Oh, cool. I I got you, man. Just come, give me a date. Come to San Diego. I'll have a cold beer waiting for you. See you in season two. And that about wraps another episode of What's Eating You. Big thanks to Nate for welcoming us into the family, sharing the wealth, and inspiring us to do big things. Until next time, we'll talk soon.